Welcome to the Compliance Expert Radio Show, your source for the latest information on corporate governance, internal audit, stocks and risk management services, with in-depth interviews, discussions and insights from leading experts. Hosted by Sonia Luna, CEO and founder of Aviva Spectrum. This is the Compliance Expert Radio Show. And now, here is your host, Sonia Luna. CEO and founder of Aviva Spectrum, an internal audit and compliance consulting firm headquartered in sunny Los Angeles, California. I'm also a speaker and writer on topics like COSO 2013, ERM, SOX 404, quality assessment reviews, internal auditing, and related topics. My guest today, which I'm very excited about, is Sandra Alamo. She's the director of internal audit at Clean Energy, and we are going to be discussing best practices in recruiting and retaining internal audit staff. Now, who is this Sandra? Sandra is the Director of Internal Audit at Clean Energy. It's the largest provider of natural gas fuel for transportation in North America. She has 17 years of experience in the internal audit field. In the past, she has served as the Assistant Internal Audit Director with Vault Information Sciences, Inc., and a senior manager with Ernst & Young. Sandra started her career in the corporate accounting department with Texaco Refining and Marketing, Inc. Sandra is a CIA, CRMA, and holds a Bachelor of Science degree in accounting from USC, Rara Trojans. Welcome, Sandra. Thanks, Sonia. Thanks for having me on the show. Great. Well, I am very excited about this interview because it really is near and dear to the heart of an internal audit department, which is its people. So, Sandra, in today's competitive job market, especially when things are in an uptick, okay, what have you seen as a growing trend to attract professionals to even work in an internal audit department? Well, I can say definitely the market has shifted from a few years ago, right? I remember back in 08 to about 2013, which I consider to be the toughest years in the internal audit job market as a result of our tough economy. Um, I'm finding that there are no longer an endless number of resumes for one position, right? So from conversations with colleagues, the trend to attracting professionals in today's job market I'm going to say it's a combination of a variation of the work and compensation. I've spoken to a few internal auditors and recently, and in speaking with them, they're telling me that they're looking to expand from SOX compliance testing. So I know that many companies have shifted to less of a 100% compliance uh, shop, if you will, into more of operational audits, special projects, and other audits in general that from an internal auditor's perspective viewpoint is adding value. Of course, this is outside of SOX testing, right? On behalf of management, we all know that that adds value, but they're looking for something else. And as I mentioned earlier, in correlation with that slow economy, which has impacted several of my colleagues, employee compensation suffered during this time And what I'm hearing is it's perceived as minimal to no increases or bonuses. Uh, 
for those of us who actually are even offered bonuses. And just from discussions with staffing personnel, I understand that there's a general sentiment out in the job market today that during the tough years, we as auditors did more with less due to potentially impacts from layoffs or just management decisions to not hire or augment staff during the tough years. And overall, the feeling is that maybe auditors are in a position where they feel that they're not being compensated fairly. So I found that because of this perception in my direct hiring needs, by my being able to offer the mix of work and higher compensation, those were the two selling factors. And that's a very critical point because uh, I'm I'm also saying that as a growing trend, SOX compliance is I think in the everybody get, gets put in that compliance corner where okay we need we need to get it done and just get a C grade on this, but the people who are actually performing the work product um, that are actually doing the work day in and day out, if they don't see any type of growth with their skill set or better yet um, some value add. Uh, meaning best practice suggestions to the management team, et cetera, to make the company better, um, it's a little disheartening. So I've seen both worlds where where a chief audit executive really gets it, motivates his staff to really think about partnering up with management just to build a better company. And it's it motivates the staff to do better, and it's not that, aha, I gotcha with the management team. And then in terms of the comp, what I've also noticed is, um, I don't see a lot of bonus pieces to, to an internal audit department, but there's other ways of comping staff. For example, I've seen people say, hey, if our team gets together and we do a volunteer event, um, I, in my budget I can give you, uh, you know, a day off. Or um, part of your compensation includes, well, you can work for, you know, at home on Fridays because we are so – um, connected these days, and auditing can be done, you know, from home remotely, and it offers a better work-life balance. Um, and I think just now I, I'm starting to see bigger trends where the internal audit department is getting some type of compensation as long as it aligns with the overall corporate strategy to get them to be better and not so much on did we pass or fail on socks. It's more of that that that's not the result of what we really want from the internal audit department. What we want better is the result of what value are you bringing to the table, and then there's uh, additional bonuses related to that. Um, but but that's slow going. I, I don't see a big overarching you know uh, wave of people doing bonuses based on that. And and you're right. I think I think it, overall people are shifting gears away from just compliance and moving into other areas. Um, and I wanted to get into those those lovely folks that we called, uh, you know, seasoned or well-experienced um, professionals. So what have you seen that works best when you're trying to recruit, you know, these seasoned professionals to work with you? Well, I think I approach one individually. It's good for me to understand perhaps their their background, their experience, and maybe where they're trying to go, Right. So I think we can agree that socks rocks, but if I offer the opportunities to say potentially to someone, um, the other audits, a new industry, a new company, um, working with a stellar set of process owners who are really engaged and, as you mentioned to your point, 
looking for those added value recommendations, looking to partner with internal audit, uh, perhaps maybe teaching them how to use data analytics if that's not something that's currently in their skill set, and again, bringing in the compensation. Um, so as a package, it's bringing up uh, you know these various topics to a seasoned professional, or at least when I'm trying to pique their interest into coming to work for me. And I'd be remissing if I didn't add that those of us who are in the director role, a managerial role, or supervisory role, part of the package, I believe, in, in dealing with a seasoned professional is that we're also trying to sell ourselves, right? So as part of the recruiting process, I believe that the seasoned professional is looking to understand what type of manager are we, as you mentioned, is there going to be flexibility um, what type of knowledge or growth can we offer this potential recruit? In my case, I would say that I leverage my reputation in the marketplace. As you know, Sonia, we in internal audit here in Orange County, I'm sure LA, within certain professional organizations, it's considered a small community. So we've either worked directly or indirectly with other professionals. Um, as part of what I try to do during the inter interview process is I share my management style, my passion for the profession, so that they can clearly see that coming to work with me is truly even a partnership with me, not necessarily just coming to work for a company and collecting a paycheck. Right. It's, it's, it, it's kind of like um, I do agree with you in terms of the, it's a small audit world. I mean, it, it's just in even accounting in general, you would say that's a small world. And your reputation does um, add to the value of partnering with someone like you as a seasoned uh, you know, manager and experienced leader. And then also your involvement, which I didn't cover so much in the bio, but, um, you know, you, you have a proven track record of, like, leading you know, different organizations. So it, it it's not a question of can Sandra lead. It's, okay, what else am I going to get out of this relationship, this partnership with Sandra, and getting that seasoned professional to find out, well, wait a minute, what it, what are their goals? And and maybe there's, there's stuff in their toolkit that they need to sharpen up in terms of their tools like the data analytics like you mentioned, or better yet, maybe the culture um, that they were – at um, isn't so inviting. Maybe they don't have such a great work-life balance or um, they don't feel like they can have a collaborative uh, working environment with, um, let's say, the past management team. And, and I do think culture goes a long way. I, I, there's been a f several studies. I know Gallup did one on um, what makes people stay and experienced people in particular felt like if they felt like they had a, a best friend in the workplace, uh, meaning a really good boss that they could actually talk to, let's say there's some problems going on um, that, that are affecting, let's say, some of their performance, but they can work through them. Um, that was kind of the analogy uh, that the Gallup kind of showed me in terms of that survey, that sometimes it's not so much about the pay, but, okay, what am I – what other value am I getting out of the relationship of my – my peers in the department, and more importantly, my boss. And I see that over and over again. Agreed. Now, yeah, in, in terms of retention, so now let's say you got your team, right? Okay, and, and, and it's a solid team. It, it's working, hopefully, you know, like a, a smooth engine. Uh, what retention strategies do you believe are the most effective to keep high performers in internal audit? 
Well, my short answer is it depends on the individual, right? We're all motivated by different factors. But in general, I think the learning opportunity, growth opportunities, if you will, and compensation or a combination of the two are the retention opportunities that have worked for me in the past. So, for example, um, I've worked with individuals from a learning or growth perspective um, whom are really looking for challenges. They're looking to increase their knowledge. That may not appeal to many, but for some, that's exactly what they're looking for. So as long as I've been able to give the employee exposure to either a new business unit, a new area, maybe a new audit that they perhaps haven't performed in the past, or giving an employee who's looking to step up into a senior role, maybe give them the opportunity to lead the next audit or play a role in assisting the, in the planning part of the audit if they haven't done that in a prior audit. I've also had employees, you know, as we move up, maybe looking to be a manager. And I really am a firm believer in giving someone the opportunity to develop the skill prior to putting the person in the role. Uh, so I, what I've also done is asked a lead senior to perhaps take the role in managing a project from beginning to end if that's an area that they're looking to develop. For others, as I mentioned earlier, might be data analytics. That's something that they haven't been exposed to. They're open to it. Um, and once they've been trained in it, then I challenge them to identify ways that they can now apply this newly found knowledge into making their audits more efficient. I've also worked with individuals who were really motivated by travel. They wanted to travel. So in order to keep that employee happy, they were always offered the travel opportunities first. And more than likely, they always said yes, right? They took uh, it. <laughs> yes. And that helps the overall team because in some cases, there might be someone else who, for whatever reason, is not able to travel immediately or would prefer to limit the travel. And we have someone who loves to travel so I can keep everyone happy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. From a compensation perspective, I'm going to say that's the tricky part, right? As a high performer, especially those coming out of public accounting, those people are usually, uh, they're used to being fairly compensated for their efforts, right? Having worked in private industry prior to working in public accounting, I was pleasantly surprised with my first increase in public accounting. But from a management perspective, for those of us who are working with high performers who are coming out of public accounting, there's, I would say, a little bit of setting expectations when it comes to having compensation discussions. So my recommendation would be to set up um, some time, invest some time in that area just to set up the expectation in order to minimize that job, dis job dissatisfaction and potentially increase our chances of keeping those high performers. Mm -hmm. Yeah, those high, and I agree. I mean, I've seen some of my clients um, who end up uh, taking their department in-house, let's say, or let's say we, we've taken over. There's been that scenario, too, where they decided to outsource it. But regardless, that pay increase, um, somebody from public, if, if someone hasn't really told them that, look, you know, getting a 10%, 12% increase probably isn't going to happen at this company, um, having those frank discussions, just even in the recruiting 
uh, piece, it, that's where I think it needs to begin, not even during the interview. Um, at that point, I think it's almost like, you know, you might, I, I don't want to say the word mis, mislead, but um, different companies have different um, bonus structures, retention strategies when it comes to comp. Um, but, I, you know, playing with playing with uh, within the field of publicly traded companies, it's it's very uncommon to see a 10%, 12%, whereas in public accounting, they kind of know, look, I mean, we, we've recruited you, we need to keep you on board, um, it's about chargeability, et cetera, and then this type of rating gets you X type of percentage increase. Um, it, it's, I think, tougher it, for those folks sometimes to readjust their comp expectations. But by and large, um, once they start talking to their peers, which they do, uh, they'll start talking to their friends and say, what did you get, what did I get? And then they realize, you know what, it's really the norm. And then that's where they start to to figure out, okay, well, what is it about this situation with this company besides the comp that's making me stay? And usually it's going to be, do I really like doing what I do? Do I have a great team? Do I have a good boss? Am I being challenged, mentally challenged? Am I stretching my professional limits to do something a little harder or different or look at things uh, differently. Um, and I think that's where I, I think chief audit executives sometimes are bad salesmen. For example, when you do a performance evaluation, most of the performance evaluations are done annually. And what I'm starting to see when, when I, um, I I spearhead a chief audit executive roundtable is I say, why don't we why do we always call it the annual when we should really be telling them, if we really want them to stay three, five years, why don't we say, this is your one year of your three-year path as a senior, okay? So it's telling, it's inviting them in the conversation that this is just year one of a three-year plan, and mentally, psychologically, what you're communicating is I want you to stay. We got to figure this out so that you stay longer versus this is your annual performance evaluation. Let's write up your goals for next year, blah blah blah. But if you start dare I say selling the concept of this is our our 5-year plan of getting you to be manager. Okay, this is just year 1 of the 5-year plan. Right right then and there you've you've totally changed the playing field with that person saying, "Okay, you know what? They really want me to stay." they want to figure this out so that they can retain me and, and make me stay so I can become a manager and see the benefits of actually getting that title before I even think about trying to leave, which which leads me into my other favorite topic is some professionals, you know, they want to move up. They're A players or they came from public accounting. They got good grades. They went to a big firm. And then they're looking around in the internal audit group. They left, and now they're a senior in an internal audit group, or maybe they're a manager, but they see they're, they're like, hey, there's no room to become a chief audit executive. Then, Sandra, what do you think is the paramount method to even make a transition out of an internal audit department or move into another area of an organization? Well, I think you started to lead into um, what I was what I will uh, elaborate on, I think for me, it's all a matter of that open communication. We've discussed it in terms of the recruiting process, right, and making sure that you are where you want to be, that you've obviously um, inquired as to the company, you want to be here. And for those of us that want to move up, 
I think we should all feel comfortable in speaking openly about our career aspirations. And then for me, I like to formally formally, uh, document that via the process evaluation process. Um, As part of what I've seen, I know that it works best if one is open and honest with themselves as well. Um, I know in in certain evaluation processes, there's the opportunity for a Mm self-evaluation. And what I found is for me as a manager, as a director, I'm able to um, provide or make the career uh, advancement more meaningful and able to do that actually if I am working with an employee who is open and honest, who's receptive to the feedback. So, for example, if I've shared back that as a staff, you're doing great work, um, keep doing what you're doing, and you're growing, now you're a senior, and as a senior, I communicate that it's imperative that you um, obtain a certification. Now, Mm -hmm. two years later, the individual doesn't have a certification. Three years later, the individual doesn't have a certification. So if I start saying it'll be very difficult for me to promote you to a manager, even though your work is there, uh, we're working on your managerial skills, but I do need a certification, um, then at the same time, because this is a partnership, I would feel that if the person's open and honest, that they'll understand when they aren't promoted to manager, right? On the other hand, where... Someone is ready, able, has the skill set, but in the department we're limited and there's only a certain number of positions. Um, It does become important, I would say, that there's that uh, open and honest dialogue, right? If I know as a supervisor what the career expectations are, then I can keep in mind when there are opportunities that I hear about um, there might be a special project in internal audit where someone can develop their managerial skills, where someone can act in a certain capacity, um, or if there is an opportunity within the operations that I wouldn't want to lose the person from the internal audit department, but I think as a company as a whole, we would benefit from having the individual within a different department or different area of the company that wouldn't be a loss to the organization, right? So in in cases where we are able to rotate someone to operations, I think that that's only able to happen or occur if, again, we have that open dialogue, Right. Yeah, it's that person being honest with you and you being honest with them that if if there really is no um, room for advancement because, uh, you know, the the company, the, the structure of the company wouldn't, um, it wouldn't make that much business sense to, let's say, have, you know, a co-director or, let's say, in a, you know, a senior manager level, et cetera. Um, and, and you're right. I mean, it takes two, it takes two people really to get, to that goal of performance and getting people to where they want to be. So if they're hiding something or they're not being very, um, you know, open about their goals and why they want those goals, um, I, I think that's where that miscommunication happens. And, and there's, I've, I've seen a few different studies where it actually benefits the company in the tens of thousands of dollars when you find a way, when internal audit works with management to transition folks that, let's say, you know, want to stay with a company, but they go to, let's say, a competitor, um, or maybe not. But then there's there's this other cost of 
trying to, you know, fulfill, you know, that open position. There could be recruiting fees or some other delays in the audit plan, et cetera. But if you find a transition plan to get someone to stay in the company and say, look, you know, this is a great opportunity for you to move into, you know, this other operational department, et cetera. But without having a clue what that person really wants to do and, more importantly, why, it's hard for a chief audit executive to, to kind of help them along. And I think people are afraid of being um, either rejected or that they're not going to be supported if they wanted to leave the company, let's say, and be a chief audit executive. Whereas I, most of the chief audit executives that I've talked to have told me that if their senior manager came to them and said, I like this profession a lot and I know you're not going anywhere, can you help me get to a chief audit executive role when you hear of one? Um, most chief audit executives take that stance as, yes, you know what, if, if that person is a good employee, um, they've got a great reputation with the company, they would. All, I've yet to find one chief audit executive say, no, no, I just wouldn't help them move up because, it, first off, it helps the entire profession, and second, I would much rather have someone in my department that I, I've groomed, I would much rather help them along because I do believe that there's this karma thing going on. I believe that somewhere down the road it can come back to me if I've helped that uh, individual versus them going through a, a, a recruiter. And my my sell point with just even my own staff is it's it's better that I'm actually a point of reference because that is so rare in this job market to actually have your current employer as a reference for you. It's so rare. And when it's that rare, when you do find that opportunity and you're interviewing and they do, let's say, check on your current employer, that speaks volume versus anybody else who's competing, let's say, for that same job that they're trying exactly. to get. Exactly. Exactly. And I'll I'll be honest and say that I've been a reference to several people. I know at the time it was hard for me to even own up to it just because I think I myself didn't want to get in trouble. Um, but yes, there's nothing more than being able to see someone succeed in their career, right? That's very rewarding, I think, to us as individuals. Mm-hmm. It is. It is. And it's good to have um, good work colleagues that we can say are actual friends and they helped us along the way. You know, I don't think a lot of people want a handout. They just want a hand up and that's that's when 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 internal audit works beautifully that's when that magic happens is two people are getting together they say i really like this profession can you help me and they're not looking for a handout they're looking for a hand up to get to that next level that's beauty now sandra i want to get into your background i know we did a little bit in the bio in the intro okay but i know our listeners i'm sure would like to understand why the big why factor why you've been in internal audit all these years. So can you share with us what you like best about internal auditing? Um, sure. You know, I'm, I'm smiling because I don't want this to sound corny, but, Sonia, I really enjoy what I do. I am. I view it as I'm in a position It's not to... corny. It's beautiful. 
I was actually going to say I love, but I thought that might be a little too strong. So let's you thought that was a little over the top. <laughs> yeah. I really enjoy what I do. From my perspective, I view it as being able to offer solutions. I can improve processes. I can save the company money. I get to meet new people and develop new relationships. Uh, I'm in a position where I can train and mentor others. I'm constantly learning. I'm can move into a new industry, a new company, get into a new business unit or a new ERP system. And I think I'm fortunate that I was given an internship while in college where the controller for the company exposed me to the all, all the various processes within accounting. And then I asked one summer if I can rotate to that other department on the side over there called internal audit. And I think because he allowed me to do that, and he paid for it under his budget. I met great people. I loved what they did, and and I think that's when I fell in love with internal audit. Um, and after college, although I didn't start directly in internal audit, went into corporate accounting, but some of the great people I had met during that internship were now in public accounting. They told me about opportunities. I went into public accounting, and again, I think it was because I was working alongside some great people, some great mentors. I learned and, and progressed through the ranks, and I just love that satisfaction of maybe now being able to give back in a way. You called it karma, right? Um, but I think it's it brings me a great level of satisfaction to be able to develop someone who was, who's a staff, a rookie, if you will, as I once was, and watch them succeed in their career. And again, it's it's a small community, right? And that would be a reflection on you, on me, on other CAEs out there that we've helped someone along. We've helped groom them. They are now where they are because we had a helping hand in that. Oh, I can't. Yeah, I echo that a hundred percent. There's been staff that I've I've seen um, both in public accounting in my own firm, et cetera, and it's nice to see that they've moved on and that they're happy and they're um, being challenged. As a matter of fact, there's a couple of people who are now partners, which, you know, I didn't I didn't think I was going to stay in auditing this long, but it's great that I am, right? Because it's I keep thinking back. I remember um, when I back, back in the day in Anderson, I would always look at the controllers and I thought, gosh, okay, could I do this? And, and once I really understood their checklist and their month and close, et cetera, I, I, I was by no means an expert on on the day to day stuff, but I, I I did understand the sense of what they had to do uh, Monday through Friday, month end, quarter, annual, et cetera, and it just didn't really excite me. I liked talking to new people, learning how people do things, understanding well why do they do it differently than this other company does. Mm-hmm. Um, industry was a big thing for me. Learning about how people serviced. Uh, customers in different ways intrigued me a lot. And that's when I knew that I I would not really fit the mold of the traditional accounting finance professional day in and day out going into the same office. I felt like I would be pigeonholed. So um, I think that when you get into this profession and you really like it, it comes across very, very well and people get a sense that, you know what, if I hire this person or I get this person on my team, they're not only going to do a good job, but they're really going to, you know, excel at it. Um, and and it's, it's, it's hard to find, but when you find it, and I think that this, uh, you know, your um, internship, I think he saw something in you that say, said, you know what, Sandra's really an A player. 
I'm willing to do this. Uh, it might be a risk, but it was. I'm sure he had a, his own little calculator, and he was calculating his risk, and he knew he wanted to take a risk on you and um, have you uh, go with that opportunity in an internal audit. So I, sh- I echo the same passion as well. Well, okay, this has been an enlightening interview, Sandra, and I'm I'm very confident our listeners gained uh, just a lot of value from your perspective of how to attract and how to retain top talent. So, again, thank you, Sandra, for coming on our radio show. Thank you. Well, this is Sonia Luna, CEO and founder of Aviva Spectrum, signing off. <laughs>